0: Previously on playing the, the room five and 14 and playing miserable baseball for the most part over April, um, would you say this has been the worst possible outcome for our experiment so far?
1: Pretty close to it. I mean, you said that we wanted to keep the dream alive, but really all that's happened is the nightmare started sooner.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, and I'm drinking already. Yeah. So. <laughs> Obviously, I think we know what the issue is with this team. It's not as if the offense is playing that bad. There are a couple guys who aren't at their best right now, but it's the pitching staff. And if we wanted to make some moves, and I think the next six days will help tell us that. But honestly, Dan, I think we kind of know already. Like, we have to make some adjustments in the pitching staff. But the top guy is a 35-year-old relief pitcher, starting pitcher as well, Bartolo Colon. So we right now have the best offer. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, that puts us in a pretty good position then with him.
0: We did just get a message from Bartolo Colon, and we have him. He's signed.
1: There you go. All right, so that's good. So he can just slot right in.
0: Let's get into the second game of the Mets series. We're playing Mike Pelfrey, who has a 6.75 ERA, and we have Brett Myers on the hill, 6.04. So yet again, something Dan has to give.
1: Yeah, I mean, you'd think that maybe one of these guys might have a decent start, but I shouldn't speak too soon.
0: Well, I think they both did. However, we came up on the wrong end again, a 3-1 to one loss to the Mets.
1: I just came very close to saying a lot of words that we don't normally say on our podcasts.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> normally, we're very family-friendly.
0: But let's finish this series. Let's get this done, and let's see what we can do here in this final game of the series against the Mets. And it's a sweep.
1: Ugh. Oh. We'll get them later in the season. One thing that we can start doing, too, is shopping some players around and seeing what teams offer in return for them. Brad Lidge scratches The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss!
0: October 29th, 2008. Just days later, Ruben Amaro Jr. would be named general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. But what if, months after that, Ruben left? That's where we come in. Two guys living in their houses in 2017 will attempt to simulate the 2009 Phillies in answering the eternal question, could two guys living in their houses in 2017 do better than Ruben Amaro Jr. with the Philadelphia Phillies? Welcome to Playing the Rube. Welcome to Playing the Rube, the podcast in which two guys attempt to do a better job at being general manager of the Phillies and Ruben Amaro Jr. starting in 2009. I'm Tim Malcolm, the editorial director of philliesnation.com. This is the Phillies Nation podcast. You can find it every Friday on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you find podcasts. I'm the GM of the Phillies in 2009, and with me, as always, is my assistant GM, the Meg White to my Jack White, Dan Walsh. Hey, Dan. Hey, Tim. How you doing? I'm well.
1: How are you? Uh, I'm all right. You know, I, you know that saying if you're good at something, never do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> How does well, this apply? <laughs> well, it occurs to me that um, that we're playing the Rube for free, right? The Phillies aren't paying us. There's no, like, weird cyber currency changing hands here.
0: Bitcoin um, could, be, could be part of this. It
1: could be, but except for the second part of it, which is we're, we're not so good at this. We're, it's not going so well for us so far.
0: That's true. It is not going so well for us uh, so far. Um, so you should keep listening, uh, listeners. Um, this is <laughs> this is the podcast in which uh, myself and Dan are the GM and assistant GM of the Philadelphia Phillies. Starting in 2009, we're trying to get the Phillies back to a World Series and a win instead of get back to a World Series and lose, and also keep the team strong past 2011, which was when they expired. Uh, and as Dan said, yeah, we're not playing well right now. We're not good at this game at the moment. The Phillies are seven and seventeen, a two ninety two. Winning percentage, not the worst team in baseball, but really, really close to it. And that feels way out of line with what the, the 2009 Phillies should be, because we won a championship last year.
1: Yeah, and we came into the season, and, and I know I said this before, acting like we could just kind of waltz into at least playoff contention. And now, look at us, we're kind of an embarrassment, really, honestly, truly uh, an embarrassment.
0: Yeah, the rest of Major League Baseball is talking about why the Phillies aren't so good right now. And they're wondering if the GM uh, over here, the new guy who stepped in kind of right before spring training began, is just completely lost in space and is maybe a little too young and a little too in the future for this. So maybe it's possible that this guy who's running the team right now is more of a hologram and not a real person. It's very possible. Um, But we stink, I guess, is the point. And I wanted to go over real quick uh, – well – I always forget doing this, but the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, and on YouTube.com slash Nation. Again, a Nation podcast. You can find us on Fridays. I wanted to go into what happened last week because last week we talked about as such a big week, and we were supposed to kind of figure out what maybe the future was going to be be for this team whether we'd have to start selling pieces or sort of tinker things or not at all and the team would just start playing better and it started as if the team was going to play a lot better they took two games from the nationals they got rained out in the third and then they played the mets and lost every game and it happened the same way that it always does we lost a game by like 13 to 12 we lost a game one to nothing and then we lost like five to two or something like that so it, it seems as if there's patterns happening Dan uh, in this season.
1: Yeah, we're in one of those slumps where you just can't get everything working at the same time where we'll score a lot of runs but give up even more. or we'll have you know the odd really good outing from one of our starters and our you know our, our rotation is not our strong suit and then we'll be shut out so it won't matter. And the issue is you know trying to find some consistency at each part of our team.
0: Yeah, and, and the offense has been pretty good uh, in the National League. They're right in the middle, seventh in runs scored. They're third and on-base percentage. They're sixth in average, sixth in home runs. So they're, they're having an above-average, slightly above-average season offensively. But we're not pitching well, and it seems like the only times that we pitch well are when we don't score any runs, which is, I, I just absolutely hate that part of baseball, but it happens a lot, it seems. Um, but yeah, our pitching stinks. And our bullpen, well, boasting, but the bullpen was a real issue last week, mostly because of injury. And I'm going to try to remember this correctly, but Chad Durbin was hurt at the beginning of the week. He went on the DL. We decided that what we had in the system wasn't strong enough to come to the majors. We liked the only guys that were in Lehigh Valley that were worth it were Stephen Register, Scott Matheson, and Jack Tashner. Neither we thought was worth coming to the majors yet. We looked at free agents, and we saw Bartolo Colon was available, who at least had experience and you know could probably put up like a four ERA, which is something that none of our pitchers were doing at the time. We brought him in, signed him for a million dollars, and then Charlie Emanuel put him immediately into the rotation. So Kyle Kendrick went to the bullpen, which is fine. Kendrick's had a decent enough year. Then Scott Eyre went down with an injury. So we now had to go into Lehigh Valley. We brought up Jack Tashner, who had the best year of anybody in Lehigh Valley in the bullpen. It was also a lefty, so we brought he substituted for Scott Ayer. Tashner's in the bullpen. Then, like a day later, Mike Zagursky went down with an injury, which is really serious, an elbow injury that will probably keep him out for the entire calendar year. When Zagurski went down, we decided for a second, maybe we can hold off for a day or two, because we didn't know if Zagerski was hurt at that moment for a serious amount of time, but it happened that he was. So we had a 24-man roster for like a moment, and then finally we decided we had to bring somebody up, and that was Scott Matheson. But then I realized that Lehigh Valley had basically five guys left in the bullpen because we kept poaching from them, so we signed Radamus Liz, we claimed him, that is, from waivers, and now he is waiting to be placed on the roster. Um, and what I'm going to do is put Scott Matheson in AAA uh, put him through waivers because we have to clear up a spot. I think Scott Madison will clear waivers, Dan.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. He, he He's done all right um, in some of his peripherals this season, but nothing flashy, nothing jumps out at you. Certainly nothing that would make a team think that um, he w- is like this can't-miss talent that they couldn't replace with someone else in their system.
0: He's 25 years old, and he has an 11.8K per nine, which is great. But he also has an 8.4 walk per nine, which is not great. So, uh, yeah, we're going to gonna put him in waivers, see what happens there. It doesn't look like you know middling relievers that have a potential of 25 get scooped up by other teams. But we'll see. If he does, we'll just have to make another move or something. But Matheson is now in waivers, and we're going to give uh, Radomis Liz a spot in the bullpen. Um, At this point, Dan, start with the bullpen because there's a lot to unpack. But with the bullpen, do do you feel like we need to make more moves with this group or should we hold off a little bit or should we look at maybe trying to get a a shutdown sort of reliever this early in the season? Where's your head at with these guys?
1: I think that we should get some feelers out, but I wouldn't make a a huge splashy move yet, but we really only have, you know, Ryan Madsen – is a, is a good reliever. Um, Chan Ho Park is rated pretty well, but he's not lights out by any means. Uh, and other than those two, it's pretty weak. There's a lot of, of holes in this bullpen. So the sooner we can shore that up, the better. But again, I wouldn't empty out you know our, our prospect pool, which is shallow to begin with, on you know the the league's best reliever or anything like that right now.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um... Currently, Lehigh Valley has... (laughs) hoof. Currently, Lehigh Valley has... Because this is the other thing that happened um, just over the time that we were gone. Andrew Carpenter got hurt again, Dan. So he's now going to the DL once again. And it looks like he'll be out for four weeks with bone chips in the elbow.
1: That's not good. Yeah. We, Um, um... Yeah, and our... So we don't have a lot of quality pitching, but we also don't have a lot of pitching depth in general.
0: Yeah. I mean, Lehigh Valley right now is, is really hurting. Um, I actually brought up Carlos Monasterios to uh, be part of the bullpen there. And then Carpenter went down and immediately Monasterios went to the rotation. So we still have four guys in that bullpen, which is not, you can't, you can't work with that. No,
1: that is not feasible.
0: So, what do we do? I mean, Redding currently has a pretty small roster as well. Um, they could We could probably move a guy from the Redding bullpen to Lehigh Valley. Um, otherwise, we probably need to pick up yet another guy. And this time I think it should be like a minor league signing free agent just for depth, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. And really you could scoop up like two or three of those guys. or or that type of player, if we really have to. Uh, I wouldn't say this in real life, but in our digital cyber world, uh, they're all kind of indistinguishable from one another, like those players who have a 20-grade ability, 20-25-grade potential. You know, they're kind of indistinguishable from one another. So uh, you you could scoop up kind of a few if you needed to.
0: Sam Walls, who's in Reading, is probably the best option to go to Lehigh Valley. He pitched in Reading last year. He, so he has about 37 innings of double-A ball under his belt. He's doing okay this year, but it's smoke and mirror. It's nine strikeouts per nine and 6.8 walks per nine and only four innings, so it's not as if he's, you know, there's nothing we can really go off of here. But for depth purposes, I think he's probably the best bet. Um, and I guess we should really quick just find someone off the free agent list to just swap into that Lehigh Valley bullpen
1: yeah I think that would be a good way to go
0: John Atkins 31 years old he's got he's 2020 20, 35 stuff 45 movement 45 control that seems fine to me yeah I mean <laughs> it's
1: almost a, it's almost average control yeah like, it's like I said if they're difficult to distinguish from one another you know how much can you really can you really get like how granular can you get with your analysis
0: right. Atkins wants a minor league contract, so we can definitely meet that demand.
1: And something about this game that makes me realize that maybe I wouldn't be so great as a real-life GM, as if our record right now didn't give that away by itself, is that in moments like this, when I'm playing, I will often just click the button that says, it basically says, make this someone else's problem, and then the computer (laughs) fills out your roster for you. Yep. And that level of, like, lack of concern is probably not something that would look great on a resume, (laughs) for a GM job.
0: Yeah. I like when I just hit a button and other people do crap. That's good.
1: Exactly. Automation.
0: All right. So let's move into the starting pitching in the big club because that's obviously also a big problem. And we talked a little bit about last week, we probably would need at least one better starting pitcher, like close to a Cole Hamels level starting pitcher, if we're going to actually try to contend this year. And we don't want to do it by sacrificing a ton of prospects, so it'll take a little bit of ingenuity. But I think it can be done. So our current pitching staff, with their terrible numbers, um, Cole Hamels has a 1.60 ERA in 33 innings, and then Blanton has a 4.91. Brett Myers is a 5.28. Bartolo Colon is a 7.20. He did not have a great first start, and Rodrigo Lopez actually is our second best starter with a 4.26 ERA. <laughs> So, when Rodrigo Lopez is your second best starter, you got problems, man.
1: Yeah, you absolutely do, considering that on a lot of teams, he wouldn't even be in the majors.
0: This is great. This is really <laughs> great. <laughs> so, I sent you, Dan, a bunch of information about starting pitchers who aren't necessarily elite, but probably a step down from that. Uh, some of them, and then some of them are elite. Uh, but we're looking for a guy who's about a Cole Hamels. So, the filter is, I think, like 60 or 60 like 60 for overall potential and then I filtered, I believe, uh, money, but we're basically accepting anything at this point. just want to see what the top starting pitchers are according to the scouts in this game and what we believe we might be able to get if we're looking long view here. So, Dan, you know, of those guys that I sent you, were there any names that kind of popped out to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, they all kind of pop out to me, really. Uh, You know, if, if... in a perfect world, we could have all these guys, we, you know, just names like Roy Halladay on here. We have Cliff Lee on here. Adam Wainwright is on here, you know, because you're just, like you said, you're filtering everybody who's a 60-grade and better. And um, and I also want to point out, too, before we get too far into this, that you also have stamina rating at 60-grade or better. Because of our terrible bullpen, we want a guy who can throw a lot of pitches and, and go far into games to try to make it so we don't need our bullpen at all because that would be the best case scenario. Um so, you know, before I even talk about specific names, maybe it's a good time to touch on our specific, I guess, strategy or philosophy with what sorts of guys we should be looking at. You know, how do we how do we prune this list down from being, I don't know, what is it, about 50-ish players to two or three or four that we might actually try to make a run for?
0: Yeah. Um, so I would say... I I want guys because we're we're playing in Philadelphia and while I don't subscribe to the fact that Sisters Bank Park is a terrible pitcher park it's not but I feel like we need guys who have good control like really good control and I'm not I'm not such a big person as far as stuff and movement it's good to have it obviously but control is definitely the biggest thing um, other than that I would like to have and this is also filterable if we can have some sort of team control beyond, you know, beyond this year for sure, but even beyond 2010. So contracts maybe that have at least two years left on them, I think are a good way to start.
1: Yeah, definitely. The contracts are are important to me because we are making moves now with an eye toward next year, you know, so, so maybe we're not quite out of it yet, but we don't want to do anything that jeopardizes our, our future either. Um, because a lot of the players that we do have, you know, Ryan Howard, Jay Thotley, Jimmy Rons, are are great players and will have them for we'll have that core intact for a few more years still. Right. So you don't want a guy, you don't want to give up uh, years of a talented player for a rental in a season that we are kind of on the cusp of being played out of already. Um, so so I agree with everything you just said and um, and so some of the things that I was considering also in addition to that. Um, is, uh, so one of them is guys who already have a, you know, a solid grading, but, uh, have potential to be even better. So all these guys are graded at at least the 60, but some of them have potential at 70, 75, 80. So we would be paying potentially for a 60 grade player and hopefully next year getting an 80 grade player or, or, you know, so at least, um, having some, uh, return on our investment that way. Um, Another thing that I was looking at was maybe some guys who they're talented pitchers, you know, so their true talent level is pretty good, but they're having a rough year this year so um so one of them, for example, Mark Burley, and I just pick him because he has a six eight two e r a this year, but he's a sixty five grade pitcher, so maybe we could get him for a little less because he's having a rough year, but know that he would probably bounce back at some point long term
0: yeah, that's. I think a really smart way to go because you're going to want to try to expose, you know, teams who are looking at players and saying, well, maybe, you know, we're not getting the value that we want out of this guy. Maybe it is time to flip them. If there's a team looking to rebuild or something like that, or even kind of in that middling state that we might even be in. Um, so looking for those kinds of flaws and other team strategies, I think very strong. And yeah, I, I would say for sure um, guys who have, I would even start with at least three years left in their contracts would be good. And then I would go with the 70 potential at least. Um, And then we could just see from that, you know, what comes up. Um, It could be a list of five guys could be a list of 30. I don't know, but let's, let's try that out and just see, Um, because we're looking at, I guess, who we're going to target for when it's time to really make a big play for a starter, right? The guy that we want to bring in that, we think is going to elevate this team's rotation to a better level. Um, that could be a month or two away, but we need to get we need to start looking at these guys now to kind of put them in our short list and see um, how they develop over the next month or so, right?
1: Yeah, and we want to get a feel too of what our own players are actually worth. You know, so if we want a guy like I don't know, I'm just picking Matt Cain randomly. If we want a guy like Matt Cain. Of what will he actually cost? Do we have the players that can get him that, you know, that are players that we're willing to part with?
0: Right. Um, do you actually want to do a filter on ERA or do you want to just keep it the way it is uh, for now and just start with the ratings here, the overall potential, stamina, and then the contract years?
1: I think let's look at, let, let's do the contract years first.
0: Okay. With the potential or without the potential?
1: Uh, I guess with the potential.
0: Okay. All right, so three contract years at least. And then a 70 potential, a 60 overall, and a 60 stamina. And those are all minimums. And we have about, I would say, about a dozen to 15 guys here. And that's a pretty decent start here. So Cole Hamels is on that list, which is wonderful. We're starting off on a good foot. Um, other pitchers include Derek Lowe of the Braves, who's a 70. Ryan Dempster of the Cubs, also a 70. Roy Oswald of the Astros, who's a 70. Irvin Santana of the Angels, who's a 60 with a 70 potential. Johan Santana of the Mets, he's a 70. CeCe Sabathia of the Yankees, who's currently an 80. Hamels, Jake Peavy of the Padres, who has a 75 right now and potential. Matt Kane of the Giants, who's a 70. Chris Carpenter and Adam Wainwright of the Cardinals, who are both 75s. And then James James Shields, who's a 70 from the Rays. The only player on this list who has a potential that's still higher than the overall is Irvin Santana, who's 26, 60 overall, 70 potential, 3.25 ERA, uh, 1.11 whip, over 36 innings so far. Uh, What do you think of that list?
1: It's funny because it helps us a lot to narrow it down to, like, 12 guys. But at the same time, it, it's kind of still tough because they're all so good. And, you know, so it's not like there there's an easy guy to cross off yet, I don't think. Irvin um, Santana does stand out because he still has that growth potential. Um, teams in this game do seem to still value potential the way that, like, in real life, for a couple years there, it felt like no one, no teams were willing to part with prospects at all. Um, and so... We'll have to see if we get a similar vibe when
0: we try to... Yeah, I don't know. Of this list, I mean, a lot of veterans here. Uh, Chris Carpenter's 34. um, Derek Lowe's 35. Ryan Dempster's 32. Roy Oswald's 31. Santana's 30. And a lot of players for teams that are contending pretty highly. The other thing is, you know, we need to look at also players on teams who might probably be rebuilding this year and are... I mean, it's so early in the year, but there are teams that aren't playing well and might be already on the track to rebuilding. So those players, to me, are Jake Peavy, who is 27. He has a 1.38 ERA. He might be the best pitcher in the National League right now. Um, And Oswald of the Astros. The Astros aren't playing very well. And he's 31, but he probably still has a couple more years of a prime still left. Uh, He has a 2.65 ERA. Um do we want to start a shortlist with some of these guys or all these guys, or do we want to try something else or what?
1: Yeah, we could start a shortlist at least with those two, I think. And would you be interested in just seeing what these teams want for those players? Not necessarily giving to them yet, but just, you know, seeing so that we have some, uh, some expectations.
0: Yeah, we could do that. Um, Who do we want to start with? Do we want to dangle? Just who do we want to look into? Uh, Just Irvin Santana maybe, or or PV, or what? Why don't we start with
1: PV because he's so he's you know he's possibly the pinnacle right there, and then maybe work our way down.
0: All right, let me make the call. Currently, the Padres are saying that there's nothing in our system that's going to work for him.
1: Yeah, I'm going to tell you. I got that feeling. I feel the same way. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing in our system that's working for me either.
0: Um, let me just try Urban Santana. See if the Angels are interested in anything from our system. Angels are a good team this year, but maybe there's some stuff that they uh, they need upgrades in. So let me take a look and call them. Okay, they would be interested in somebody.
1: Okay, I'm almost afraid. Cole Hamels. <laughs> <laughs> so then, what's the point of that trade for us?
0: Yeah, it means it, it's not worth it at all. I'm gonna look one more guy, Roy Oswalt, who was on a bad team in the Astros, and they might want to be refueling with some players.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And again, they also don't think that there's a player who makes this deal work. So that's that's not a good start.
1: <laughs> no, that's tough. Now, if we if we can't find a match this way, and obviously we can just try again in, a, in two weeks and in four weeks or whatever if we have to, close to the trade deadline, whatever. But the other way we can try to get some feelers out is to um, actually start with our players and shop them around. You know, see... Yeah. what a team's willing to give up for Jason Worth, or what they're willing to give up for, you know, Raul Ibañez, or whatever, and then see what kind of hits we get that way.
0: Yeah, I think so. Let, let's, let's talk about that a little bit um, after the break and uh, we'll talk about something else that kind of goes along with that. And we'll maybe dangle a guy or two and just kind of see what the feelers are. But let me go into uh, your favorite segment, Dan, the minor league report. No, I, I like a good minor league report. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We'll keep it relatively brief, kind of want to talk about, I mean, especially Lehigh Valley, because there's a couple players here who I think might be interesting to us as far as how our regular, our our major league team's doing. Um, On the offensive side, John Mayberry Jr. continues to have a really good season, he's at 100 plate appearances with a 286, 350, 648 slugging percentage. He has nine home runs, 24 runs batted in, six doubles. He's got a 363 ISO, um, which 100 plate appearances is still kind of small for that, but it's starting to show that the guy is definitely having a very good power season. And I think about Mayberry because if we talk about dangling a Jason Worth or something like that maybe it's not out of our minds that John Mayberry Jr. could step in and at least provide an, a, 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 a sustainable sort of, uh, uh, or substantial, I should say, outfield play in the majors.
1: Yeah, him continuing to play like that gives us so much more flexibility than we would have had if you know we were just kind of hoping for Tyke Redman to, to take someone's place.
0: The other name that I had in Lehigh Valley is Paul Bacco, who's having a really good start to the year, 303, 365, 434. Uh, so he's getting on base at a good clip, 8 walks to 17 strikeouts. So, uh, 86 played appearances so far for him. His BABIP is a little high at 362, so I imagine that those numbers will go down, plus Baco isn't known as a big-time hitter or anything. Just something to keep in mind, because our catching situation, Carlos Ruiz is having a fine year with a 135 OPS, uh, excuse me, weighted OPS, but Chris Coast is playing miserable, who's hitting 200 with a 238 OBP and a 300 slug. So if we want to make a quick upgrade at some point, catcher might be a place. And Paul Baco is proving right now, at least, that he could step in and maybe provide a better uh, performance than Chris Coast.
1: Yeah, it, it was a toss-up going into the season, whether Baco or Coast or even Hoover would be the best backup catcher. And I'm also wondering, too, if Baco would be performing well enough to Maybe dangle him and see if we could get a hit on a reliever of some kind. Not, you know, lights out reliever or anything, but maybe somebody better than what we have.
0: That's an option, absolutely. We should think about that uh, sooner than later. And pitching wise in Lehigh Valley, Eric Hurley, who we picked up uh, spring training, is still throwing pretty well. He's got a 2.4.5 ERA. He now leads the team in ERA. He also has 24 strikeouts to 13 walks. Walks are a little high, but overall pitching relatively well his FIP is a 4-4-9 so we expect things to come up here but I gotta say Eric Hurley is at least giving us you know maybe a long shot of a guy who can step into the rotation if we really need it.
1: Yeah even his FIP uh, being what it is is encouraging to me because we are so desperate for starting pitching and if I had to guess I'd say he might actually be our best success story so far in terms of something that you and I actually did that was GM-like.
0: That's really great that Eric Hurley is our biggest success story so far. <laughs> I, I mean, it's good. It really is. I mean, we didn't really make a lot of moves so far. So, um, But if Eric Hurley turns out to be you know, a passable back-end starter on the major league team this year or next year, I think that's that's a real win for us, for sure. Yeah, um, we got
1: him for essentially nothing, So that's so that works out.
0: Yeah, I mean, really. Yeah, we, we, we sign him on a song, basically. Um, Lou Marson in Redding. Uh, Reading is 10-9 right now. Uh, Marson is hitting two eighty eight with a four twenty five OBP and a four forty one slug. He has a great walk-to-strikeout ratio, Dan, 14-4. to 4? So I, I, I here's the thing, and this is why I bring up Marson, is, again, with Coast, if we make some, I mean, you said dangling Baco in a trade could be an option, and I think that's a very good option. But if Chris Coase isn't playing, you know, what we need a backup catcher to play, I mean, even backup catchers need to be moved sometimes, Lou Marson could potentially even step into that role. Um, he could be a starter one day, but he seems like at least could potentially provide a decent, you know, uh, patient uh, at-bat approach in the majors.
1: Yeah, that strike zone awareness is, is really great to see. And um, and you're right, so Lou Marson, at least it would not surprise me if he's at least promoted to A at some point this season, but... Who knows? Maybe he could skip a level if we needed him to, or you know, if we uh, just wanted to see if he could.
0: Wanted to update you on our top prospect in Clearwater. By the way, Clearwater is thirteen and six. They're playing really well, um, so that's a success story because we're also GM in Clearwater. Um, Dominic Brown. He has a three twenty nine average, three seventy eight OBP, and a five seventy slug. He's got a two forty one ISO, five home runs, four doubles. And uh, what is it, a uh, 15-8 to eight strikeout to walk right now. Uh, good to see Dominic Brown playing this well. And then in Lakewood, uh, really quick, I wanted to bring up Derek Mitchell. And I think we need to potentially talk about him maybe getting a move up. Um, he's now at the 98 plate appearance threshold, so pretty close to 100 now. But he's kept up the numbers: 3.75 with a 4.29 OBP and a 7.39 slug, 3.64 ISO, eight home runs, eight doubles. I mean, we could do it this week, we do it next week. But Derek Mitchell, I think you know the time is almost here for him to move up to Clearwater. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, as I as I mentioned before, around 100 at bats is where I think it's where batting average and maybe even OBP start to normalize. Um, so so that's really good to see that success sustained over that period of time and he's definitely someone when we are looking to make promotions I think that he might be the the first one that we look at
0: and the other guy who could actually be worth a promotion soon uh also in Lakewood the pitching staff is Jesus Sanchez who has a three 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 ERA 19 strikeouts and eight walks in 24 innings he started five games uh the reason I say it is because he was with Lakewood last year for 93 innings and had a 3 4 ERA with 71 strikeouts and 30 walks So he's pretty much kept up the same play over now a year and change in Lakewood. And he's 21, so he's about ready for Clearwater, too. I would say maybe next week we can talk about Derek Mitchell going to Clearwater and maybe even say Jesus Sanchez if we feel the pitching uh, staffs can absorb that kind of loss and we can move things around. But for now, good stuff to see from a couple guys in Lakewood. All right, so why don't we now move to baseball uh do we want to lose some games
1: i would love to lose some games i'm a phillies fan
0: (laughs) but it's 2009 so we don't expect to lose them this much but then again
1: yeah but it's one of those things it you never forget how to lose you know even when the phillies were good we all still kind of felt down on ourselves sometimes we all still felt like underdogs all the time so uh so i think that's just part of the culture
0: so we are going to st louis uh, it's just a two-game set in St. Louis, which I think happens once in a while. And Rodrigo Lopez is on the mound in this first game with a 4.26 ERA. He goes up against Todd Wellemeyer, who has a 2.84 ERA. St. Louis is 18 and 9, so they're pretty good this year.
1: Yeah, I think a two-game set is long enough.
0: Yeah. All right, let's go through it. I also got a personal message, but we'll talk about that after the game. Let's sim the game. It's a 5-4 loss.
1: Well, we hung in there. I don't <laughs> know. I, I don't know. I, I'm still trying to think of more ways to respond after we lose because I've kind of worn all mine out.
0: Yeah, no, it, it is pretty hard, like, at a certain point to try to come up with answers to, oh, another loss, good. This one was in 12 innings, 10 innings. Um, so we're getting closer, I guess, to winning games. I
1: guess so. We're at least giving ourselves a shot pretty long into the game.
0: Uh, this game, again, a 10-inning game, and we gave up a run in the 8th inning to tie it, so that's pretty annoying, and the person behind that run was, oh, it was Ryan Matson, who keeps giving up runs at, like, the worst possible time.
1: That's rough. You really need him to be a, a good shutdown, lights out pitcher late in the game because he's really the only one we have.
0: Rodrigo Lopez, for his part, threw pretty well. He seven innings, four strikeouts, two walks, three earned runs, nine hits. So he sprinkled a, around the the, the strike, uh, the hits, excuse me. Um, so he was fine. And Ryan Howard hit his eighth home run of the year. He's now up to two sixty, so he's basically where he needs to be. Um, the offense is playing well, basically. Besides Jason Wirth who's got a one in ninety-eight average, everybody else is kind of doing their thing. It's just like we we keep losing in every way imaginable. We might win, we might lose one to nothing, or you might lose ten to nine. You know, it's it's just it's annoying how we're losing now.
1: And it's a, it, it feels like it's a different player every day, too. So it's not like it's Brad Lidge every time, and you just cut him or send him to the minors and put somebody else in the spot. It really is everybody.
0: So we got a message from Pedro Feliz. Okay. He wants to be traded. He feels that, right. he, feels that he should be uh, part of the starting lineup every day. And, uh, you know, I don't know what you have against me, but I'm not going to put up with it any longer. Please trade me. Oh. Now, let well, me. He's got it. Let, let he
1: doesn't let, sound very pleased to me.
0: Let, let me put this out here, okay? This isn't our fault. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is Charlie, isn't
0: it? Yeah, Charlie's the one who decided that Greg Dobbs is going to be starting every day.
1: Uh, Charlie, you're getting us in trouble again. He lost this Colby Lewis. And now he's making Pedro Feliz mad at us.
0: So that's something to think about here. I don't, I mean, do you want to act on it right now, or do you want to let it sue a little bit?
1: I don't know. I mean, Clubhouse morale is something that this game takes into account. And I'm going to guess that if you look at the morale page, uh, there's a lot of, like, frowny faces, And um, so he might be someone that we, we might have to give him what he wants, so that that doesn't spread throughout the clubhouse. I mean, losing affects morale enough by itself.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I I don't want to make any rash moves early in the year because we're playing so poorly. But when a pit when a player says I don't want to be here anymore, you know, you got to stem that tide a little bit. So, huh, before we before we get there. Uh, Sergio Escalona has cleared waivers he was also in waivers so he was part of the reason why Lehigh Valley was so low in bullpen help. So now he's in the bullpen and we also got Atkins who we signed a little bit or we, we, uh, we attempted to sign a little bit earlier so he will also go to Lehigh Valley So now Lehigh Valley is where it needs to be as far as the bullpen.
1: Oh good yeah I, w- I was kind of wondering uh, I knew that there was someone that we were missing I couldn't remember who uh, Sergio Escalona.
0: It's always Sergio Escalona. Always. Atkins is now the closer in Lehigh Valley.
1: All right, whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> he could probably be the closer in the majors too, for all I care.
0: Very possible, actually. At this point, let's go. Let's do the last game of this series, uh, and then we can address a lot of things. Cole Hamels goes today for the Phils at one six zero ERA. Please stop this bleeding. Joel Pinheiro goes for the Cardinals a two point eight eight ERA. Please stop the bleeding.
1: It's gonna to be tough, but we have a shot.
0: Please, 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 please. Two to one loss.
1: So so again, again though, he did his part and the offense didn't come through. Yeah. If if we're not careful, Hamels is gonna to want to be traded.
0: Yeah, Hammels eight innings, one strikeout, two walks, seven hits, two runs. He's at a one seven three ERA.
1: <sighs> yeah, Hamilton's is having a, a phenomenal start to the season, even though Charlie Manuel wants to ride his arm into the sunset or whatever. Um, it's just a shame that nobody can come through for him.
0: Yeah. So we, need, we probably need to start addressing some things pretty soon here. Um, the good news is that Scott Matheson cleared uh, waivers.
1: Yep. Well, that changes everything, doesn't it?
0: It's, it sure does. Let's talk about philliesnation.com. It's the website you go to for all your Phillies news, rumors, and much more. We're recording this at trade deadline time. Uh, The Phillies had a flurry of movement over the past week. They sent out Joe Nathan. I was going to say that's a good one. Pat Neshek to the Colorado Rockies. They also traded Howie Kendrick. ...and Jeremy Hellickson, and then in the final minutes of the trade deadline, Joaquin Benoit. A lot of stuff happened, and we have it all on phillynation.com, including reaction to the Neshek move. We also had an emergency podcast that went up uh, the night of the Kendrick and Hellickson trades, where I talked uh, to uh, Ryan Shoppy of purplerow.com, and he spoke a lot about the Rockies prospects that we got in return... Pretty decent trade deadline. Would have seen, would have loved to see some sort of big sort of pitcher move or something if the Phillies were maybe in on Sonny Gray or something like that. But that's neither here nor there. Still, good stuff all around, and we have it at philliesnation.com. You can also go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash philliesnation, Instagram at philliesnation underscore, and Twitter at philliesnation for all of your Phillies news, rumors, and opinion, and much more. philliesnation.com. Go to it today. Ah... We don't want to be at a place where we're, we're rebuilding and having to trade one-off veterans every year. We really don't want to be there.
1: We really, really don't. I'm going to tell you from experience in, in real life, it uh, starts to feel like stagnation at a certain point.
0: Yeah, and and I want stagflation. That's what I want.
1: Stagfl- that's right. That's that's the, It's not trust the process anymore. It's stagflation. <laughs>
0: Let's really quick go over – I also had you do an exercise where we picked out uh, the guys that we thought in this organization were untouchable because we're obviously into a period here where we're going to want to make a trade or two or three or four or five. Uh, With the team 7 and 19, things have to start to change. So let's at least put together a list of guys that we feel we can't trade because they are too crucial to this team's long-term development. So, Dan, if you can give me your list – of, uh, untouchable fillies uh, that we don't want to trade.
1: All right. So my list of untouchables is pretty brief, which I think speaks to our level of desperation. And also my feeling that maybe we are being a little conservative, um, in how we're approaching our, approaching our kind of experiment in general. So uh, I'm just going to jump right into it. Untouchables. One, Cole Hamels, obviously, because he is perhaps our best pitcher. I mean, he's definitely our best pitcher, perhaps our best <laughs> perhaps. player this season. Um, and also, pitching is the thing we need most desperately, so you're not going to give him up at, at that point. Um, Chase Utley, untouchable because he's the most handsome man. Um, That's bad. Ryan Howard. <laughs> no, he and Ryan Howard uh, are both untouchable because they are the centerpieces of our offense, and um, they are The the core that we have, um, and they will also um, be here for multiple seasons, both of them. I think Utley has five years left, and Howard has three years left. And I also have Jimmy Rollins on there. He has three seasons remaining, according to the spreadsheet that I have. um, And you're really not going to find much better production out of a shortstop than what a 30 year old Jimmy Rollins can give you. So I don't, you know, you move him, but then who do you replace him with? Um, so those are my absolute untouchables.
0: Well, at the major league level.
1: At the major league level. Well, actually, so this is where we might disagree. I don't really have any untouchables in the minors. Huh. We don't have we don't have any prospects who are going to be on you know Baseball America's top fifty prospects or anything like that. Um, I have guys. I have like semi-touchables. Like you can touch them, but like be gentle. Um, who, you know, guys who I wouldn't give up. <laughs> <laughs> guys who I wouldn't give up. Unless, unless it's like for the right deal, a deal that, that I know would um, would be one that skews in our favor. So Vance Worley is one of our best minor league pitchers or, or one of the ones with the most potential. So I would move him if I had to. If we could get us pitching that was closer to the majors, I would move him. But um, but in general, you know, I wouldn't like to. Um, and then Dominic Brown also is another guy who has a lot of potential. He's farther from the majors, but he has a lot of potential. And we already talked about how he's doing really well this season. Um, so I'm sure that there are a couple other guys that, that you will add on to both of those lists. Um, so I'll let you uh, I'll let you list yours.
0: So I think that semi-touchables should be a Victoria's Secret line this Christmas. <laughs> Uh, semi-touchables by Victoria's Secret, only at Macy's, which is weird because he would be at Victoria's Secret too. Anyways, so, yeah, I'm with you on the four in Philadelphia. Utley, Rollins, Hamels, and Howard. Um, Utley is an elite franchise player. There's nobody like him in baseball. He's the best second baseman in the game. Uh, Jimmy Rollins, elite franchise player. He is a shortstop, which is a very hard position to fill. When you have it good, you should keep it. Uh, Cole Hamels is, as you said, probably the best player on the team this year, a great starting pitcher, uh, at least to this point, and someone that we think we can bet on for a couple of years now, and we need pitching. And Ryan Howard, I think the reason why I would keep Ryan Howard is more, we don't have anybody to substitute. Um, It's hard when you have a big-time power hitting first baseman to get another big-time power-hitting first baseman. You usually get a mediocre power-hitting first baseman in, in substitution. So I'd rather, because we have him and he's and he's got a good overall potential, obviously, but he's also something that we lack anywhere else in the organization. It'd be hard to get outside of it. He becomes untouchable for me. And then I did have four prospects. Um, I guess I do feel like prospects sometimes can be a little more untouchable. Um, I have Carlos Carrasco, who is I think the only pitching prospect that I think is worth keeping because he is performing at a high level at the highest level of the minors. And when you have that kind of guy and he's still got, you know, good overall potential, I think as well, like you want to hold on to him potentially because he's really one of two or three guys in this, in this, in the pitching that we have in the organization that's actually worth keeping. Um, Dominic Brown, uh, because again, exceptional, good overall potential. He's not very high, but he's high enough and uh he's performing very well in clearwater so to me that says okay he's doing good things at you know the high a at least is a little bit higher level um i put also down travis darnot because he's a catcher and when you have a high performing offensive catcher who's also good at defense you don't want to trade him as much as possible and then jonathan vr who is the uh, 75 potential right now and uh, he's a shortstop. He's also extremely young. So I feel like if we trade an extremely young guy, it's it, like you could trade an extremely young guy and get like nothing for him. Like it, teams are going to interpret that guy very differently than other teams. So because he's a 75 potential, I feel like why get rid of him? Like it, it, he, he feels more like money in our bank than he would be in anybody else's bank. So those are mine. I can definitely negotiate the prospects with you. Um, but for sure, the four guys in Philadelphia were, are untouchables.
1: Yeah. And I, I actually did have Carrasco on my untouchables, but then, uh, my computer crashed and didn't save that version of the list. And then I just <laughs> forgot, and then I just forgot to put him back on. Um,
0: yeah, that's so that the one, story. We, <laughs>
1: I know. And, and of course I'm a teacher myself in real life. So like I hear excuses like that all the time and have no sympathy, but, uh, in this case I will plead for sympathy. Um, But no, you're right, I think that's a good list, and Jonathan VR, you're right, since he is very young, uh, a team who would be trading for him would devalue him because they're assuming a certain level of risk in in his development.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I think, like, clearly we value him more than any other team would at this point, so what's the point? Um, But I would definitely, I'd be open to, for sure I'd be open to dangling Darno because as, as he is a catcher who's, you know, got high... I mean, doesn't have high potential in the game, but I think he's performing at a decent level, so I like stats sometimes over those ratings. Um, I still think Darno is, you know, fraught with risk because he's a catcher. And Don Brown would be open, too, to talk about just because you can find high-performing outfielders in every level of every league. So, you know, they're not tough to find. So, um, okay, I would definitely say Utley, Rollins, Hamels, Howard, we can say Carrasco, and I think we say VR, and then everybody else is semi or fully touchable.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Okay. Just just get permission first, yeah.
0: Yeah. With that, let's address Pedro Feliz. Should we trade him now?
1: Um, Well, can we get anything valuable for him now?
0: Yeah, that's, that's the big question.
1: It's really, you know, I don't think that there's a rush to trade him. Um, especially, he is such a good defensive player, and I liked him a lot when he was on the Phillies. But, um, you know, in, in real life, but um, but you don't want to turn into kind of a, a nasty clubhouse, especially a team that's completely spiraling right now.
0: He's hitting 250 with a 308 OBP and a 250 slug. He only has 24 at bats this year, so I don't blame the guy. He was a starter on a World Championship team and had the game-winning hit in the World Series the year before, and now he's. 24 at-bats through the season. So I don't blame him. Uh, he is a 20 overall and a 20 potential. So maybe a team would be interested in a bench player like Feliz or something like that. That really wouldn't help him. But what's not our problem when we trade him? So let's just take a look and see what, if any, teams are interested in him.
1: This this game undervalues some of these players so much. And obviously it overvalues other players too. But, but Pedro Feliz, I'm sorry, he's better than Tyke Redmond. Why would they? Why would they both be twenties? You know what I mean. Like it's a little, it's a little frustrating. But um, we're working. You know, we're working within the confines of uh, of this reality. So, so that's what we'll respond to.
0: Nobody wants Pedro Feliz in a one for one trade.
1: Oh, I want Pedro Feliz. It's okay, Pedro. Yeah, we're sorry, Pedro.
0: We don't. We don't mean to cause you any. Um, if you're feeling any, you know, depression or. Just frustration at the fact that nobody wants you in 2009. That's not the truth. We do. It's just that our manager is not seeing clearly right now, Pedro. He's just not seeing clearly. Maybe he needs semi-touchables from Victoria's Secret.
1: <laughs> how's, uh, how's Greg Dobbs even doing, by the way? So he, he's been our starting third baseman all season.
0: 224, 224, 302, 382. Three home runs, eight RBI, and 76 at-bats. So he has a little bit more production, but his numbers are eerily similar to Pedro Feliz.
1: Yeah, so it's not a runaway for either
0: one. It's just that his overall is a 30 and his potential is a 30. So he's slightly more valuable in the game's ratings than Feliz's. Right. Why don't I shop him around real quick? That works. There are two offers. Okay. Cleveland would offer us 35-year-old outfitter David DeLucci. He's also a former Philly. And Milwaukee would offer us 35 year old outfielder Frank Catalanato, who's having a pretty decent season of the bench there. Um, so it's there is a certain player that we would get for Greg Dobbs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and yet, no one for Pedro Feliz. What world is this that we live in?
0: Yeah, do we do we care about Delucci or Catalanato?
1: I I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I mean, do you care?
0: I'm. Not really the only reason I would care is our outfield situation has been so um it's been so fragile this season so far um and like a guy like Catalanato just plays a ton of positions he plays first second third left and right um, and he's only making 1.9 million dollars this year and he's signed through 2010 so he could be like a bench player that we like we won't have to worry about um.
1: That actually is kind of nice. Um, we could always shortlist him, I and mean, we don't have to make a decision right now. I, I can see the appeal of that for sure.
0: Yeah, um, I think he's also. I mean, his value is maybe high right now. He's got a three sixty eight average, a four fifty five OVP, and a six thirty two slug, and that's only in twenty three plate appearances. So Milwaukee's using him correctly. Um, but, you know, if he, like, immediately tanks down to, like, 180 or 220 or something like that in the next 30 plate appearances, maybe then we get interested. Yeah, buy low. Okay. So why don't we continue on with playing some games? Uh, by the way, it's May 6th, May 6th, 2009. I was never good at sounding that out. I, I went to a speech therapist in elementary school.
1: Oh, yeah? Did, uh, do you think that it, that it helped? Or... or... Because you might just be self-conscious about it. It sounded fine to me.
0: I mean, it's not really that bad, but uh, I'm not definitely self-conscious about it. It's just something that comes up sometimes. If I was self-conscious about it, I you would know. I wouldn't be gotcha. hosting podcasts, and okay?
1: I, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is it would be an interesting choice for you to, to host podcasts all the time.
0: That's right. All right, we're playing the Mets. Uh, John Maine with a one ERA. Here are things that aren't supposed to happen against <laughs> Joe Blanton with a four nine one ERA. Here are things that, that sounds happen. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, here comes the loss. Let's do it. Hey, we won three to one.
1: That's more like it.
0: Yeah. We beat the Mets again. Uh, it was a late rally for us as we were down one to nothing and scored a run in the seventh and two in the ninth to win it three to one. It's a good game. Blanton went eight innings, gave up a run, two strikeouts, and a walk, five hits, pitched really well. Good for him. Brad Lidge pitched a scoreless ninth inning and struck out two. That's good to see. Jason Worth hit a home run. Chris Coast hit a double, so he clearly listened to us uh, talking about his future. And Chase Utley also doubled and sort of Jimmy Rollins. So good win for the Phillies. Good win.
1: Yeah, and we spent some time, I think it was last week, talking about what Joe Blanton really means to this team and to our rotation, and this is a perfect example of that. It can't just be Cole Hamels is the only one who's having good starts all the time. If you have Joe Blanton doing it, then you have more opportunities for the the offense to really get us ahead.
0: And really, in a perfect world, Joe Blanton's like the fourth guy in your rotation, so we still need to pick up two guys, it looks like, because I don't think Brent Myers is going to be that guy. Just right now, he's having such a bad year.
1: Yeah, he might be. You know, we could always, if we're looking to shuffle things up without looking outside the uh, outside the organization, we could always consider moving Myers to the bullpen and moving, you know, a, a reliever to a start, make him make him start like Kendrick or somebody like that, put back in their rotation. Yeah.
0: All right. Mike Pelfrey for the Mets against Hey Brent Myers with a five two eight ERA.
1: All right. Let's see if he heard us too.
0: Hmm, here we go. It's a four to two loss.
1: Maybe he did hear us and it just hurt his confidence. <laughs> uh,
0: in this game, Myers went eight and oh no, six and a third. He gave up four runs, six hits, four strikeouts, three walks. That's not good enough. It's just not good enough. Four runs is not good enough in six and a third.
1: No, and you know, some days it would be, but we need to be better than that, especially when he's going to hand the ball over to the bullpen—a terrible bullpen, you know.
0: All right, let's move on to the next series—a three-three a gamer against Atlanta—and this will be it for the week. Uh, first game: Javier Vasquez for the Braves with a one-six-two ERA. Everybody's having a really good year, but ours. Uh, Bartolo Colon is a seven-two ERA, and it's his second start as a Philly seven-to-two. So Bartolo was not a good pickup.
1: It's not turning out that way. Is I mean maybe if he was in the bullpen he wouldn't be so exposed, but I guess we'll never know.
0: Yep, we will never know. <laughs> Charlie Manuel, um, yeah, this was a bad. Uh, Cologne gave up seven runs. Uh, why he was in there for all seven is beyond me. And Ruiz hit a home run. Yipie So continuing our trend of being an absolutely atrocious team. We're now 8 and 21, Dan.
1: Just where we thought we'd be.
0: Yeah. Let's do I think I got one more. Oh, Jay Happ is back from the DL, which will help up Bartolo Colon.
1: Yeah, cuz uh you activate him and somebody's going to get bumped from that uh from that roster.
0: Now, before I want to activate him, I think I want to give him maybe a rehab start or two. Yeah. So, I'm going to put him in Lehigh Valley. Okay, J-Hap is now in the rotation there, and Carlos Monasterios has moved out of the rotation there. Monasterios, by the way, has uh, he's only pitched one inning. Okay, so I shouldn't even talk about him. All right. Next game of the Atlanta series, let's get a win. Derek Lowe against Rodrigo Lopez. It's time for Rodrigo to step up and uh, be the number two guy that we thought he could be. <laughs>
1: that's that's what all the scouts are saying. That Rodrigo Lopez, he's a he's a pure number two.
0: We're hitting a new low. I don't like that. We scored nine runs. Oh, good. We gave up 22.
1: What? What? <laughs> I just made sounds I didn't know I'd ever make.
0: (laughs) (laughs) 22 to 9.
1: That's terrible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's almost our record. (laughs) But backwards. (laughs) We're 8 and 22. (laughs) Lopez gave up 8 runs in 3 innings. Clay Condry gave up 9 runs in an inning and 2 thirds. Um... Rodamas Liz finally got in there and gave up four runs and two and a third. Whew. Ryan Howard at a home run. Shane Victorino at a home run. Offense played well. Two hits for a lot of guys.
1: That is good. And oh. no one will notice it because they're just going to see the number twenty two in the box score and not read any further.
0: Twenty two to nine. That's terrible. Man. Dominic Brown's on the D L. He has blurred vision.
1: Well, of course wait, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yes, you heard right. Blurred vision. Blur that's not it. I mean, maybe is he dehydrated? I don't understand.
0: I don't know. I I, I don't know what happened. Um he might have gotten knocked in the noggin or something. So oh, here's God. what I here's what I suggest. Derek Mitchell has hundred and twenty one plate appearances in, in Lakewood. He's hitting three sixty thirteen thirteen, six eighty five. Let's move him up to Clearwater.
1: Okay, that's easy enough.
0: He totally deserves to be there, and he can step in for Dom um, at least for the time being. And okay. why don't we finish this uh, bad boy out with uh, one more game? We get to try to try to get a win in this uh, Atlanta series.
1: Yeah, you know we have to do. We have to score twenty three runs.
0: <laughs> Well, we got Cole Hamels on the hill, so we'll probably score one. zero. <laughs> He's going up against Tommy Hansen, who's the one pitcher who's got a better ERA than him at one Wow. Well, Every team is doing well in baseball right now. <laughs>
1: Not the Phillies.
0: <laughs> and let's do it. The final score is three to two Phils. F- we got it. We got it. Okay. Okay.
1: All right. Okay. We're still in this. We're right in the thick of it. We're in. The, we have them right where we want. We
0: lost twenty-two to nine, and now we're at nine and twenty-two. It's only fitting. There's
1: a certain yeah. There's a certain sort of poetry there.
0: Yeah. So uh, the Braves had a two nothing lead, but we scored two runs in the eighth uh, to take the lead and win this game. Chase Utley had a home run in the eighth inning. It was a big shot. Hamels went eight, seven strikeouts, a walk, ten hits, two runs. 110 pitches. He was great. He was great. So, I think we have things to do next week. Um, Jay Happ will come back at some point, probably the end of next week, or maybe the beginning of the week after. Um, But we still need to do something about this rotation. Brett Myers is not good this year. Rodrigo Lopez is not worth the rotation spot. And... Bartolo Colon is clearly not the best choice right now either. Um, we have Hamels, we have Blanton, and we can keep one of those, like, other guys. We have Hap. We got to get someone in this rotation. I mean, is it too early on May 11th to bring in someone?
1: I don't think it's ever too early, um, you know, especially because the, the – and, and we saw this with with the 2017 trade deadline – The sooner you make the trade, the more starts you get out of the guy that you're trading for.
0: That's true. That's true. So we should start with that next week, maybe try to figure out who we can bring in. It might not be a number one kind of guy or a number two kind of guy, but someone that we can slide into the rotation. At least we know we're getting something close to what Hamels is giving us and maybe better than Blanton is giving us. Um, We can, you know... Maybe talk about Pedro Feliz a little bit more and see if we want to make any moves there. Maybe we will maybe we can make a big upgrade at their base. Maybe this is the time to do it. Eric Hinski's on the trading block. I don't think he represents a big upgrade, but he's there. So there are options.
1: There, there he is. Yeah, maybe what we can do next week is kind of the opposite of the untouchables. Who are we willing to trade or who do we think would be sensible to trade?
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, so after that week, uh, what, two wins maybe in that week? Dan, do you think we're doing a good job? Um,
1: well, like I said at the top of the podcast here, uh, don't if you're good at something, don't do it for free. I don't think we're going to be paid for this anytime soon.
0: No, no. If anybody who plays out-of-the-park baseball is out there listening and wants to pay someone to uh, run simulations for them, We're clearly not the guys. Move on. Find someone else. All right, Dan. uh, I guess we'll see you next week. All right. Take care.